Hi, Len Power here again with Theatre of Power, my podcast focusing on theatre and related arts in Canberra and beyond. Theatre and concerts are slowly awakening here again. In this podcast, I'll be reviewing Canberra Rep's What the Butler Saw, the early music concert by Polyphemy, and Stripped, the monologues being streamed by the Q Theatre. I'll also look at CineCon Line, which streamed from Los Angeles, The Goes Wrong Show on Amazon Prime, and Swing On This from the Sydney Opera House digital season, amongst others. I'll also let you know what's coming up on stage here, as well as what's available on streaming services. So, let's get started. Canberra Rep didn't waste any time getting a second production onto the boards after their successful season of Neil Simon's Brighton Beach Memoirs. Still under COVID-19 restrictions, audience numbers were still limited, but at least we could see a live show again. This time, it was What the Butler Saw. Don't think that because Joe Orton's What the Butler Saw was written in the 1960s that it must be hopelessly outdated. The manners, morals and authority figures that Orton targets in this ferociously satirical play still need skewering 50 years after the play was written. In these supposedly more enlightened days, you could argue that people just say what's politically correct instead. What the Butler Saw was first performed in London in 1968. The playwright, Joe Orton, was already dead, having been murdered by his gay partner a couple of months previously. Although he wrote only a small number of plays during the 1960s, including entertaining Mr Sloan and Loot, the impact of his work was considerable and highly influential on later writing. Orton's play was critical of the society of the time, especially attitudes to sex, double standards, the medical profession, privilege, authority and power. His writing shocked and offended audiences at the time. These days, we're not so much shocked as surprised at how many of the same issues are still around. We don't seem to have come very far at all. In the play, a psychiatrist, Dr Prentice, is seen interviewing a young woman, Geraldine Barclay, for a position as his secretary. His interview methods are highly inappropriate and, with the unexpected arrival of his wife, he needs to hide the girl, now naked, from view, leading to a succession of farcical situations. Every character in the play has secrets which add further complexity to the situation. Director Liz Bradley gave us a strong production with fine performances from her cast of six. While she had it moving at breakneck speed, Bradley ensured that the line delivery was carefully considered and spoken by her actors. While you can enjoy the show just as a typical farce, the physicality of the production is secondary to Orton's ideas. David Cannell gave a fine performance as Dr Prentice, whose world is suddenly crumbling around him, and Zoe Swan was a delightfully innocent Geraldine Barclay, the prospective secretary. Laney Hart, as the bustling, formidable Mrs Prentice, who has secrets of her own, was very funny, and Peter Holland gave a well-judged, frenzied performance of towering insanity as Dr Rance, an official sent by the government to investigate Dr Prentice's methods. Glenn Brigenti brought a youthful and confident cheekiness to his role as the blackmailing hotel bellhop Nicholas Beckett, and Thomas Hislop nicely combined the surface cliché of the policeman Sergeant Match with a seething decadence underneath. Quentin Mitchell designed a fine set for the show with some fun surprises, and Anna Senior's costume designs were just right for the characters. This was a fine production that got every element right, as well as being highly entertaining. 
it was good to hear that the season had sold out early. Next up in November for Canberra Rep will be Alan Ackbourne's Absurd Person Singular, directed by Jared West. This is one of Ackbourne's classic early plays, and it's not to be missed. Now in its 56th year, the CineCon Classic Film Festival is normally held every year in Hollywood, California on the USA's Labor Day long weekend at the end of August, early September. The screenings of rare and classic films take place at the legendary Egyptian Theatre in Hollywood. It's an opportunity to see films that are not generally available to the public. In addition, surviving movie and television stars often attend and awards are presented. It's a great opportunity to have access to some of these famous people of the film world. I attended two festivals in 2012 and 2013, meeting and chatting at length with, amongst others, Debbie Reynolds, Shirley Jones, Samantha Egar, Pat Boone, child star of the 1930s Jane Withers, Barbara Hale of Perry Mason fame, and 97-year-old Baby Peggy from films in the 1920s. This year, due to the restrictions caused by the COVID-19 virus, the annual event was not able to be held live and has been postponed until 2021. However, the organisers decided to hold a virtual show which they dubbed CineConline, a three-day live streaming online edition of the festival. It ran from Thursday, September 3rd through Saturday, September 5, and was accessible through CineCon's webpage. The three-day program had a great mix of sound and silent films and shorts, including some rarely seen specialities, two films from archival nitrate material, and a KiniCon at CineCon program that featured television firsts of many stars from TV and film, plus a special tribute to the late Carl Reiner. With the time difference between West Coast USA and Canberra, the program started here at 8am and presented over four hours of material each day. The organisation and presentation of this online festival by President of CineCon Stan Taffel and his team was excellent. There were no technical glitches throughout, and I saw every item presented over the three days and enjoyed them all. People interested in cinema history would, of course, get the most out of it, but there was so much there to amuse and enlighten even those unfamiliar with the past in film and television. It was a great opportunity to see the feature film Without Pity, a 1948 neo-realist Italian film with a story by a young Federico Fellini. There was also the 1931 Sherlock Holmes and the Fatal Hour with Arthur Wantner as the great detective and Lorraine of the Lions, an absorbing and enjoyable Jungle Book meets King Kong silent drama from 1926. Silent films were accompanied by Cinecon's musical stalwarts John Masalis, Frederick Hodges and Scott Lasky. When I was at the 2012 Cinecon, I spoke to Frederick Hodges after he had accompanied a two-hour silent movie drama live on piano. I asked how long it took to put such a detailed score together. He replied that there had been no preparation. He had simply vamped his way through as he watched the film for the first time with the audience. I was stunned. There were some very funny slapstick short silent films with Andy Clyde, Pearl White, Edward Everett Horton, Billy Bevan and others. The treasure trove of other highlights included a delightful 1950s interview with early silent star Chester Conklin, who started in films as one of Max Sennett's Keystone Cops from 1912. 
There were also television documentary segments showing scenes of 1940s Hollywood, as well as early comedy and singing performances on television variety shows by Sid Caesar, Dick Van Dyke, Carl Reiner and many others. Cinecon Line was a huge success technically, and the array of films presented made it an absorbing and very entertaining experience. Now I'm itching to attend next year's live Cinecon Festival in Hollywood, if we could ever travel again. Polyphemy is a small female ensemble established in 2008 to explore music written and performed by nuns in the 15th and 16th centuries. The ensemble is directed by Robin Mellor. Polyphemy's recent concert in the Wesley Uniting Church at Forest showed without a doubt why it's an entirely different experience listening to music live rather than from a recording. It was stated in the program that the concert comprises music for quiet reflection in a year of disruption and loss. It could also add that it was music to make your heart soar. The singers, including Mellor, demonstrated in this concert that they are supreme vocal artists, able to sing this early music a cappella accurately and with great feeling. The concert commenced with the music of Cristobal de Morales of the 16th century. His Office of the Dead is a prayer cycle for the repose of lost souls, and the group of singers set a high standard right from the start with their accurate and disciplined singing. It was followed by Hostias et Preses TV Domine, We Offer Thee, O Lord, by Luigi Antonio Sabatini from the 18th century, a haunting work full of intricate harmonies. It was performed with clarity and delicacy. Works by the 15th century composers Orlando de Lassus and Giovanni Palestrina were next. The chant Requiem Eternum by Palestrina was sung by the four sopranos only. Their beautiful singing of this piece was one of the highlights of the concert. William Byrd's Mass for Three Voices was written in the 16th century, while Byrd, a Catholic convert, was a member of the court of the Protestant Queen Elizabeth I. It was a dangerous position for a Catholic to be in, and the compositions were sung in secret under threat of death if discovered. The singers gave an excellent performance of this work, with the Sanctus and Agnus Dei especially memorable. The conclusion to the Requiem Mass in Paradisum was a perfectly chosen and uplifting finale for the concert. The Q Theatre in Queanbeyan has, for the past six weeks, been streaming a new monologue each Wednesday. The program is called Stripped and it features local actors on a bare, dimly lit stage in a telling moment from a series of very different plays. In my last podcast, I talked about Jared West and Karen Vickery, who both gave excellent performances of their monologues. Since then, we've seen four local actors strut their stuff. Chris Zuber, a versatile actor-director here in Canberra, performed a monologue from Andrew Bovell's Things I Know to Be True. This moment of discovery about love of a son for his father was movingly performed at a nice pace and with just the right level of emotion. Next up was Joanna Richards, who performed a piece from the 2006 play Rabbit by Nina Rain. She gave us an immediate sense of a birthday girl seemingly brimming with confidence, but actually hiding behind a facade. It was an impressive performance showing both sides of this young woman. 
Recently on stage at Canberra Rep in Joe Orton's What the Butler Saw, Lainey Hart showed us with her monologue from Survival by Ali Richards why she is so sought after for leading roles in this town. Her ability to get inside a character and live it is very much on display here in her portrayal of this troubled young woman swinging between bravado and pain. Jordan Best performed a monologue by the character Blanche Dubois from Tennessee Williams' A Streetcar Named Desire. Her performance was compelling and made me wish I had seen her in the play when she performed it here some years ago. In the final monologue of the series, Jim Adamick gave us the love monologue by Benedict from Act 2, Scene 3 of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. He gave a memorable performance in this role in a Canberra rep production back in 2015 and is just as powerful here, working skillfully to the camera. It's pleasing to see that a recording has been made of these fine actors' performances. All of the monologues can still be seen through the Q's website or on YouTube. Swing On This was a 2018 concert at the Sydney Opera House, which featured four of Australia's top male stage musical stars, Michael Falzon, Luke Kennedy, Rob Mills and Ben Mingay, with the Sydney Symphony Orchestra conducted by Vanessa Scammell. The publicity for the show describes it as a modern and audacious take on all-time swing classics from Sinatra to Buble and featuring well-swung interpretations of hits from Oasis, John Farnham and The Proclaimers. Luke Kennedy has appeared on The Voice as well as performing with The Ten Tenors. Rob Mills has been seen in Wicked and Ghost the Musical. Ben Mingay recently starred in Shrek the Musical as well as An Officer and a Gentleman. Michael Falzon was in We Will Rock You and The War of the Worlds Arena Tour. All four performers have exciting voices as well as a strong stage presence. Unfortunately, watching Michael Falzon performing with such vitality and talent in this, it's hard to believe that within two years he would be dead of cancer at the age of just 48. Conducted by Vanessa Scammell, the Sydney Symphony Orchestra is in excellent form, creating a fine sound for the songs, the majority of which are from the swing era, as well as some more recent songs and plenty of standards from the American Songbook. There is a Canberra connection with Craig Schneider, the musical director and pianist for this concert. He was the first Canberra School of Music jazz faculty graduate, and, before moving to London for some years, was a regular performer at the School of Arts Café in Queanbeyan, run by Bill Stevens. At the start of the second act of the concert, we see his remarkable skills on piano in the solo section of an orchestra-only arrangement of Sweet Georgia Brown. The show is themed as a relaxing evening of four friends around a bar, joking around and singing and dancing together, or taking solo turns. There's audience participation and mock competitiveness between the performers. It's clear from their skills of putting a song over so apparently effortlessly that these guys have earned their stripes as performers. However, the show would have been a better showcase for their talents if it hadn't been presented as a rough-and-ready night at the pub, with all the clichés of that type of entertainment. The choreography by the director, Christopher Horsey, isn't particularly inspired or performed very well, and it seems the guys were taking the relaxed nature of the show a bit too literally, with some ragged singing and ad-libs that fell flat. There's still plenty to enjoy here, but I'd rather they'd drop the pub antics. These guys have the skills and talent to galvanise an audience by simply allowing a song to speak for itself. 
The show is currently being streamed on YouTube as part of the Sydney Opera House's digital series From Our House to Yours. It's available until December the 31st. The Goes Wrong Show, now streaming on Amazon Prime, is a British comedy TV series developed by Mischief Theatre. The play that goes wrong was a 2015 play by Henry Lewis, Jonathan Sayer and Henry Shields of Mischief Theatre. It received strong critical and audience acclaim and we saw it here a couple of years ago. The television series consists of six half-hour episodes. Each episode has a different theme, including a period romance, spy thriller, a deep south melodrama and a Christmas fable. I've found in the past that the novelty of this kind of show wears off quickly, but people on Facebook were raving about an episode called 90 Degrees, so I had a look at it. I must say I was very impressed. In that episode, 90 Degrees was supposed to refer to the weather in the Deep South. The designers thought it meant that the set had to be built at 90 degrees to normal, and the actors have to cope accordingly. Some of the stunts in the episode looked downright dangerous, but there's no denying it was extremely well done and very funny. Have a look if you have access to Amazon Prime. It was announced recently that the BBC in England has renewed the show for a second series. British actress Dame Diana Rigg died recently at the age of 82. She's fondly remembered as Emma Peel in the 1960s TV series The Avengers, the Countess Teresa de Vicenzo, wife of James Bond, in On Her Majesty's Secret Service, made in 1969, and more recently as Alina Tyrrell in Game of Thrones. She also had a long career on the London stage and in films. In 1982, she released a book that was a compilation of worst-ever theatrical reviews. She called the book No Turn Unstoned. Ever the trooper, she included her own worst review, which had been written by John Simon in New York magazine. Playing Eloise in Ronald Millar's 1970 medieval play Abelard and Eloise, she had to perform a nude scene. John Simon wrote, Diana Rigg is built like a brick mausoleum with insufficient flying buttresses. Rigg went on to say in the book that, I remember making my way to the theatre the following day, darting from doorway to doorway and praying I wouldn't meet anyone I knew. The cast behaved with supreme tact and pretended they hadn't read the review. After some weeks, I began to see the funny side of it and, not much later, I was quoting it freely. It was the inspiration for her book, which was a big bestseller at the time, and one of my treasured possessions. The Tony Award-winning musical Pippin will premiere at the Sydney Lyric Theatre at The Star in November 2020. Full of acrobatics, magical feats and songs from Stephen Schwartz, the composer of Wicked and Godspell, Pippin has been described as Broadway's high-flying, death-defying musical. I saw this production on Broadway in 2014, and it was very impressive. Many of the acrobatic feats were breathtaking, and it worked perfectly in the context of the show's story. I'd seen the original Australian production back in 1974 with John Farnham, which was a copy of the original Broadway production directed and choreographed by Bob Fosse. This new production gives the show a superb new way of performing it, and I really recommend it. QL2 Dance's Chaos Project takes a different shape in October due to recent events. 
They are presenting Leap into Chaos, a double bill, with the Chaos Project Touch as the first section, and the Quantum Leap Ensemble Project Sympathetic Monsters in the second section of the work. Leap into Chaos is their response to the chaotic world we have been thrown into this year. Touch colours our interactions with others in so many positive and sometimes negative ways. Positive interactions and touch refill the soul and the heart. It connects us with others. Touch is a profound need for all human beings and its language is unique. The choreographers are Alison Plevey, Olivia Fife, and Ryan Stone. Sympathetic Monsters is presented by the Quantum Leap Ensemble. It is the fear of the unknown that makes us see monsters where there are differences and uniqueness that bring balance and beauty to the world. This will be choreographed by Jack Ziesing. The performances will be at the Canberra College Theatre Philip from Thursday the 15th of October to Sunday the 18th of October. Canberra Youth Theatre is presenting Normal by Katie Pollock at the Playhouse Canberra Theatre Centre from the 22nd to the 24th of October. Normal is an urban detective story in which the investigator is a teenage girl and the body is her own. Inspired by the true story of The Town That Caught Tourette's, this provocative and critically acclaimed Australian play raises questions about what it means to fit in, the viral nature of mass hysteria, and the pressures on young women fighting for agency. It's directed by Luke Rogers and will be performed by Mackenzie Batty-Smith, Gemma Collins, Holly Ross and Electra Spencer. Artsong Canberra have announced two concerts coming up in October and November. Sonia Anfiloff, soprano, Kylie Loveland on piano, and Rowan Harvey Martin on violin and viola will reopen Artsong Canberra's season of song 2020 with their concert The Unexpected Journey. It'll be performed twice on Saturday afternoon, the 17th of October. Hear songs by Vaughan Williams, Sibelius, Copeland, Brahms, Duparc, Rachmaninoff and others. They illustrate Sonia's journey thus far through her voice to her life, how life imitates art and art imitates life. Sarah Louise Owens, soprano, and Natalia Tachenko, piano, will close the season of Song 2020 with their concert by Royal Favour, performed twice on Sunday afternoon, the 22nd of November. Throughout history, royalty has consistently and generously patronised music and enjoyed and commissioned great amounts of repertoire. Not only were royals appreciative audience members, but they also sometimes composed music and prose themselves. Concentrating on the Victorian and Romanov courts, Sarah Louise and Natalia will present various favourites of royals of the 19th century. Admission to concerts will be only by prior booking. This can be achieved very easily through trybooking.com. Where the Good Songs Go is a new stream series of music from early musicals, and it looks very intriguing. The series will premiere virtual productions of Jerome Kern's Nobody Home, Rogers and Hart's Poor Little Ritz Girl, George Gershwin's A Dangerous Maid, and Cecil and Blake's Elsie. These shows, which originally premiered from 1915 to 1923, have rarely been performed since, and their productions will be the first compiled recordings available. 
Each video will feature performances of all the published and or available music from that show, interspersed with narrations contextualising each song within the plot and sharing details of the show's history. Subscribe to Where the Good Songs Go on their YouTube channel and like them on Facebook to stay in the loop for their future releases. New videos will premiere live on YouTube every Thursday evening at 7pm Eastern Standard Time, that's USA time, that'll be Friday morning 9am here, until October the 29th. If you're able to, they're asking for donations for their campaign to help artists dealing with cancellations due to the COVID-19 pandemic. Proceeds will go to both the artists who have donated their time and talent to make this series a reality, and to the Actors Fund in the USA. It's a great opportunity to hear this music from unrecorded shows by these great music theatre composers. I've watched their introductory video, and the people performing really are good singers. In its 21st year, this year's Italian Film Festival will be held at the Palace Cinemas from the 1st until the 18th of October. It will open with Pinocchio, a new live-action adaptation of the classic story of the wooden puppet who longs to be a real human boy. It's directed by Matteo Garoni, who won the Grand Prix at the 2012 Cannes Film Festival for his film Reality. There are lots of interesting films on offer in the festival. There's past festival favourite director Ferzan Ospitek's new film The Goddess of Fortune, in which a couple whose relationship is in crisis after 15 years, are suddenly saddled with minding a friend's two young children. There's also the multi-award winning true crime gangster movie from director Marco Bellocchio, which tells the story of Tommaso Buschetta, the man who brought down the Cosa Nostra. Hammermet is a modern tragedy from acclaimed director Gianni Amelio. It recounts the last year of politician Bettino Craxi's life in exile following corruption charges. Then there's the new comedy from comic duo Salvatore Ficara and Valentino Picconi, Once Upon a Time in Bethlehem. It's an intriguing twist on the well-known story of the Nativity, starring both directors in the lead roles. A poignant family film about imperfection and diversity, My Brother Chases Dinosaurs is a warm portrait of family in a coming-of-age tale about the fear of being judged by others. It's by first-time director Stefano Cipani, based on the autobiography of Giacomo Mazzario, about his own special family. There are many more films being shown in the festival besides these. You can download all the details from Palace Cinema's website. Now here's a roundup of a few of Artsound FM's programs for this coming week. In In the Foyer this week, Australian Dance Party leader Alison Plevy unveils an exciting new dance initiative focused on global warming. And the man who introduced Spiegel Tents to Australia, Spiegel Master David Bates, tells how the discovery of the famous Spiegel Tent changed his life. You can hear In the Foyer with Bill Stevens on Mondays or Wednesdays at 3.30pm. In Red Velvet and Wild Baronia, two of Canberra's favourite former leading ladies, Kate Peters and Judy Burnett, join forces to present excerpts from their acclaimed cabaret show at the School of Arts Café, Together at Last, for which they are accompanied on piano by Tony McGee. 
Bill Stevens' Facebook page has links to both In the Foyer and Red Velvet and Wild Baronia, so you can stream them when it suits you. My Broadway Musicals Yearbook program on Sunday the 27th of September will look at the musicals from the year 1970. Danny Kaye was in a musical about Noah's Ark called Two by Two. Lauren Bacall had a big hit with Applause based on the movie All About Eve. Stephen Sondheim's landmark musical Company won lots of awards and Shelley Winters was in a musical about the Marx Brothers called Minnie's Boys. Well, thanks for listening to my podcast. I'll continue to keep you up to date on what's happening and I'll suggest alternative arts-related entertainment during this difficult time. I'll be back with another podcast soon. Please subscribe to my podcast and like and share my Facebook page, Theatre of Power Podcast. This is Len Power with Theatre of Power. The original music for this podcast is composed by Chris Oppert. Chat again soon. Chat again soon.